Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachrin, the assistant editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to New Work in Digital Humanities. Today I'm speaking with Professor Mel Rosenberg, scientist, author, and co-founder of RBooks. RBooks is an innovative platform for creating and sharing flipbook PDFs and hard copy books. Mel is also the host of New Books in Children's Literature. Mel is a one-of-a-kind entrepreneur and inventor, and I'm excited to share his work with the MBN audience. Mel, thanks for joining me today on the New Books Network. Oh, Caleb, it's a, it's a big honor for me. Usually I'm on the other side of the uh, microphone, so. <laughs> yeah, how does it feel to, to be interviewed as opposed to being uh, I'm I'm really honored. And before talking about our books, you know, I, I would love to just hear a little bit about your career and background. What did you do before our books? Well, uh, when I was young, I, I wanted to be a children's book writer. And uh, I t- remember trying unsuccessfully in my early 20s. I also wanted to be a jazz musician. Uh, however, I ended up uh, going to university and becoming a scientist. So uh, for many years, I was a professor of microbiology. I specialized, if you can believe it, in bad breath. Uh, but all this time, I had these dreams of being a jazz musician. And in my 40s, I write and uh, appear in the jazz clubs, uh, singing and playing saxophone and piano. Um, and um, so it's been now 13 years since I took an early retirement from Tel Aviv University. Uh, I work with colleges, uh, but uh, basically I spend a lot of time uh, writing uh, and playing music, and as you know, um, I uh, in the past year I've become the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network, and I've interviewed over fifty authors, editors, illustrators, and publishers, and agents every time of my life. How did you first get involved in children's books? Um, well, this is this is really a story. Um, in in the early seventies, um, there was a lot of trouble here in Israel. Uh, we had infiltration from Lebanon, and as students, we went up north to guard uh, settlements. Not that we were trained as guards, you know, from Canada. Um, nobody ever taught me really how to hold a rifle. Um, so we were kind of cannon fodder wandering around the Kiryat Shmone. And um, I was built in a house with a young boy who asked me what I do. And I said, um, I study bacteria. 
And he said to me, what are bacteria? I said, well, when I get back to Tel Aviv, I'm going to write you a little book. And I got back to Tel Aviv, and I wrote him a little book, and uh, then I lost touch with the family. I never found them again. And that book remained somewhere in my room, and when my uh, son was in kindergarten, I took it to kindergarten, and the teacher said, you know, that's publishable material if you rewrite it in rhyme. And sure enough, a few years later, the University of Tel Aviv decided to publish it. This was my uh, my first uh, children's book. So uh, that's how I got into it, and then I wrote more and published more. What was the sort of main impulse for continuing to write children's books? Was it highly lucrative, or was it just something that you found a passion for, or maybe both? <laughs> it's it's highly unlucrative. <laughs> right. um, I, I've lost a great deal of money publishing children's books. Um, it's it's a passion. I think it dates back to my childhood. I have a few people who write for five-year-olds uh, are five-year-olds. So a great part of my personality, uh, if you knew me, I'm, you know, I'm a professor, an inventor, but I'm a child at heart. And um, I'm completely comfortable sitting in kindergarten on a small chair. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, it would be very noble if I say that I write for young children around the world. But uh, between you and me and whoever's listening, I basically write for the five-year-old in me. I find it really interesting that you are both a scientist and a children's book author. So you have a lot of experience talking to both first-time learners and also people that are very deep and advanced uh, in specified fields. Can you talk about the sort of how these two approaches might help you understand? Like, is there something about being a scientist that helps you maybe explain things, break it down for a young audience? Wow, that's a terrific question. Uh, my professor, who is strangely enough named Eugene Rosenberg, people thought that we were daddy and son or a married couple. <laughs> um, Eugene used to say that you have to be able to explain your science to your mother-in-law, no matter what she does, presumably not a scientist. <laughs> um, and... Um, what I learned looking back over my scientific career, I, I had a great career, not because I was such a good scientist, uh, but I think because I was a good storyteller. And it's, it's kind of funny, Caleb, but um, sci good scientists turn out to be good storytellers because essentially your research is a story. And when you write a scientific paper, you're telling a story. And when you apply to get a scientific grant, you are telling a story. So um, I think that I owe a lot of my success uh, as a scientist and an inventor to my ability to tell a story. Now, when it's science, you know, uh, purportedly we're looking to tell a, a truthful story. Um, but, you know, at some stage, <laughs> looking for the truth is a, li a little, uh, uh, it's difficult. Um, more fun to um, look for the untruth. So I tell my students that one of the reasons I became a children's author of fiction and, uh, is because uh, anything is interesting except the truth. So you yourself have written children's books. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the first one that you wrote. Can you talk about uh, some of the other books that you've written or worked on? 
Um, well, I'll talk about my most recent one yeah, please, uh, yeah. because that is a book that is um, going to make me at my ripe age of 71 a traditionally published children's author, which is a uh, book called Emily Saw a Door, which is being published here in Israel next year by Talmai Publishers. And, um, you know, I interview authors and getting a book deal with the traditional publishers like one in a thousand or one in five thousand it's like very rare so i'm super lucky that i have this publishing deal in israel i would love to be published in the states i'm trying uh but you know you're competing with five or ten thousand other very talented authors and um you need luck and huge talent and what do you think makes for a really great children's book Oy vey. Wow. Um, you don't have to give away all your secrets. I have, I, no, no, because I also teach uh, beginners. Um, I, I have a list of about 20 parameters. I would say, first of all, you have to enjoy reading what you've written. Uh, if you don't, then probably other people won't enjoy reading it either. And even if you do enjoy reading it, that doesn't mean other people will enjoy reading it. Um, you have to write to your strengths. You have to um, write stories that uh, have elements of humor and irony and, and, and hooks and empathy. Um, and if it's a really good story, then sometimes it will come around to the beginning at the end. Um, you have to hit the ground running because it's a picture book. So on page one or two, you already have to set the atmosphere and tell the reader what's going on. Um, and um, at the end of the story, you have to have some satisfying outcome, uh, sometimes a twist uh, that uh, will make uh, children and parents and librarians uh, satisfied. That's really on one leg, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and with so few words. It, my favorite children's author, I, I guess besides maybe Dr. Seuss, because I read so much Dr. Seuss as a kid, was uh, Shel Silverstein. Uh, oh. And I just loved, I always just, you know, he had such an incredible way, especially his poems, of just creating so much action and excitement. And I think what you said too, you know, kids do really like irony, uh, even though it might seem like a sophisticated thing uh the best children's book caleb we we, we yeah we, we forget that kids are people yes yeah uh, a five-year-old a five-year-old is a is a person uh and uh they love uh humor and uh they love a good pun uh they love rhyme if the rhyme is good and the meter is good um and uh, they love a good story yeah no it's definitely you know I, i'm i feel like great children's book writing must translate to other, you know, other qualities. Cause it's, it really does make you, you know, it, break things down. Explain my mom. My mom is actually a children's book author. Um, she hasn't uh, personally written for a, a book for a while. She's works in publishing. Um, but you know, I always, hey, can I interview, can I interview her? I'm, absolutely. I'm sure she would love that. Ah, yeah. wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll uh, I'll connect to you. Uh, but, you know, I think I, I've, there's always just an endless flow of children's books. And I think it's, even though, you know, I don't, I don't read children's books much anymore. I actually, uh, you did get a children's you book. You should, you should. 
my, I, my, yeah, my girlfriend recently got me a uh, a Peanuts children's book called Happiness is a Oh Wow, uh, and mm-hmm. it is honestly remarkable how much like joy that just reading a good a great children's book. Yes, I, I, so you you like you you like authors that have an edge. Shel yes. Silverstein and uh, and Charles Schultz. <laughs> yeah, and these are these are authors with an edge. And you know, we grew up on Peanuts. Um, as I told you, I'm 71 and I've lived in Israel for 50 years, uh, but I still quote uh, Peanuts and Snoopy and uh, and this is this is like. A good children's book, a, a good picture book. I mean, maybe I should say a great because there's a lot of good ones, but some of them are great. And 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 they stay with you your whole life. It's like it's like getting some kind of mental gift when you're five. And uh, this is going to help you get through your dark moments. It's going to help you laugh when other people are crying. Uh, it's going to be a joy in your existence. And can I tell you a story? Yeah, please. Yes, yeah. So my favorite children's uh, story uh, from my childhood, the one I'm imprinted with, is uh, Madeline by Ludwig Bemelmans. <clears throat> and and um, all the kids in our family love Madeline, and I could recite it off by heart. And Dad used to read it to us. Um, about four years ago, Dad was very, very aged and frail, uh, with advanced um, Parkinson's, and I was visiting him in Toronto uh, with the other siblings, and he can barely talk and he can barely listen. And we started talking about Madeline and our, you know, our, our the fact that we still remember the book up by heart, and we started to recite it, uh, maybe not verbatim, but almost. You know, in a house in Paris, all covered in vines, lived twelve little girls in two straight lines. All of a sudden, my father comes alive and starts to, re- to recite the book with us. Um, this is, you know, I will take this to the grave. My dad passed away just a few months later. But this, you know, like this calling, this, this calling from, from, from 70 years ago almost. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was astonishing. So I, I think that a, a well-written, well-illustrated picture book is nothing short of a miracle. It's it's magic. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, you know, that's something I I can't wait to you know to be able to share in the future. You know, to share great the great children's books of my childhood, and I still have, you know, so many of them. Like I just, you know, re- and and I'll like I think about the giving. I feel like I think about the giving tree like once a month. Uh, and just the message of yeah. that story. They're just great moral, you know, they're, they're just such great moral. Caleb, I was thinking about it today, and I didn't <laughs> grow up on it. Um, <laughs> these are things that these are like, these are like, um, I, I say you have earworms, right? So yes, these are yeah. kind of picture book worms that, uh, that live in your mind and, and, and uh, rejuvenate you and inspire you and stimulate you. And uh, wow, what a great genre. Yeah, you know, you know, sort of continuing to talk about that. I think that you know, so many people have uh, stories that they want to tell, and you know, you've you've created a a company, Our Books, that allows people to to share their stories and create them. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that company, uh, you know, how how you started it and what the the sort of central idea behind it is. Yeah. So. Here's the thing. The thing is that only one in about 5,000 stories gets published. 
Um, and you can self-publish, but to self-publish is going down a very slippery slope. Uh, you can spend $20,000 easily self-publishing a picture book uh, with the illustrations and, and what have you. And um, it's very hard to sell them. And it's very hard to produce a quality book when you're self-publishing because you have to get everything right. And, and none of us are really a, a, you know, so, so brilliant that we can handle all the steps of the writing, copy editing, content editing, illustrations, uh, graphic design, cover, um, and, and get it right. Uh, I, there's very few self-published books, including my own, that, that I don't find flaws. Um, so I said, well, what, what about these people who write and don't have a publishing deal, don't want to lose money, um, just want to share their stories with the world? And um, at a conference, I met the Ron Sternin. And I, I said to him, you know, I have this, it was the first time I met him, I said, I have this dream uh, where people can, you know, write and it becomes a page and add a picture, it becomes another page and the pages flip in the laptop and it looks like a book um, and you share the URL of the book and everybody can read your book. And he just asked me one question. He said, would this be free? I said, yes, absolutely. He said, I'm in. So together with Ron Sternin and my dear wife, Shuli, <clears throat> we embarked, it's already nine years, um, on this project, uh, creating a very simple platform where people can, uh, within minutes, create a page-flipping uh, interactive book with, with text, pictures, uh, videos, maps, uh, games. And um, it's become quite popular. We have almost a quarter of a million books. Thousands of people visit the website. Um, we don't have a good business model, but um, who cares? It's it turned out to be quite a um, labor of love, and uh, and we love it. Every day we have between one hundred and three hundred new titles. Wow! Um, books written in thirty languages uh, from literally two hundred countries. And was this all through word of mouth? It's all well. It's it's word of mouth. It's for Google, right? right. Uh, we we don't have. Uh, we don't have money, but because the books are free, um, search engines can read every word, and it makes it very easy to find uh, right. our books. I should say it's O U R B double O X, um, and um, yeah, we have no idea how people come to the site. We have teachers. Uh, we're big in um, in Eastern Europe, uh, Ukraine. Uh, Bulgaria, and then also in Italy, uh, in Middle East countries. We're big in all the Arab countries. Um, I'm guessing that 10% of our books are in Arabic because the pages flip in both directions. So you can have a book going from right to left. We did that because we have a lot of books in Hebrew too. Um, so uh, strangely enough, everywhere in the Arab world, um, kids and teachers and parents are using a, an Israeli platform uh, to read and write uh, ebooks. What has been some of the major developments since you know that initial conversation about starting it? Uh, were there were there any major challenges that you faced in getting the platform off the ground? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, first of all, doing it and, and, and run with his genius, uh, making it super easy to create. Um, one of my eureka moments was I, when I discovered a book that had a uh, video embedded in it. And I, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not a computer maven. And I phoned Ron and I said, hey, did you know that you can actually have a video inside the book? <laughs> I mean, it's like Harry Potter magic. And he said, oh, yeah, it's, it's very easy. I said, oh, wow, wow, wow. We have to tell everybody. <laughs> so um, this was just one of the moments. Um, we have books in lost languages. Uh, we have poets publishing that would, were never able to afford, you know, to publish a poetry book. Um, we have writers meeting illustrators. Um, yeah, it's it's been one thrill after another. And uh, we uh, develop... Um, new um new uh, new things every year uh but keep in mind that we're self-funded and um i would say that we are almost making even now which is fine for me yeah but the it's, fact it's, that it's, it's, it's sorry i was going to say the fact that you have 100 to 300 new books a, a day is, is astonishing like that's not just like you know people going on twitter and sending off a tweet like that's uh, you know, I, ma I imagine it takes, you know, a decent amount of effort to produce one of these books. Yeah. So actually, these are like, I, I should clarify that between 100 and 300 titles. So some of these books never reach it to fruition, right. but people start. Right. So the, the, um, the, the type of book I described previously is like an HTML book, and you can go back and edit it whenever you want. It's never really finished. Uh, you can always add another picture, take out a picture, um, embed a video, a map, a game, and so on. Um, but a few years ago, we introduced PDFs, so in like three seconds, you can upload a PDF book. Um, so about 20% of our books now are PDF books. Those are harder to edit. Um, you have to upload a new one. Um, but those are the two main kind of books that we support now. And you mentioned that you add new features. Uh, are there any plans that you have uh, for developing our books? Or oh, know, al always anything, anything always that you want to share, or is it? You know, I understand if it's uh, in development, you might not want to. Yeah, these are the things that, like, um, I don't want to talk about things that may or may not. <laughs> right, fair. That's fair. Sometimes we work on something and, you know, uh, it, it turns into a big mess. Uh, but uh, the, the people who use our books will see some uh, big changes in the coming year. And I know you mentioned Madeline is one of your favorite books, but is there another mm -hmm. children's book that, you know, maybe has particularly profound impact on you or even that you read recently that just stuck out as a really beautiful book? Well, I'll tell you what's happening uh, with my uh, new role with the New Books Network. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, which we are both part of. Um, I am now getting to interview my heroes. Uh, so um, I've, I've recently interviewed several wonderful authors. Um, uh, I just mentioned a few. Uh, Michelle Knudsen, who wrote The Library Live. Uh, who wrote Sophie Squash? Oh, you know Sophie Squash. I'm crazy about that book. It's, it's maybe <laughs> I don't know seven, ten years old. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's like um, well, I don't have to tell you. You know, you're interviewing, and uh, you feel like you can re you know 
reach out and touch this wonderful author and uh, and be a part of his magic. So it's it's really wonderful. How has the, your experience as a host changed the way that you think about children's books? Oh. I would say that it's a uh, it's a process. Every every week, I interview somebody and I, I learn something new. I'm very keen on, on understanding um, their road to success because it's such a rare occurrence that uh, somebody can find publishing deals. Uh, and this is this is across the board in NBN. Um, unless you're a scientist or a um, academic publishing in a narrow field. Uh, you know, if you're Endeavor, um, if you're just writing a general book, a, a fiction, a novel, oh, the chance of getting published is, is infinitesimal. It, it's, it's so, so low. So when you're speaking to these people, um, I'm in awe of, of how they did it. What did you do? What's the secret? Um, and, of course, each of them has a, a different uh, lesson to share. Um, and I'm able to share that now with... Uh, with the listeners, sometimes thousands of listeners for a single podcast. Um, and that's really wonderful. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. Um, and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> surprised by the listeners or surprised by the, what no, surprised, surprised by the, the story, by the, um, uh, by the difficulties, you know, you, you speak to a successful uh, author, and you don't realize that the past two years of the corona have been tough, and they haven't sold a book, um, or that an agent left them, and they're now looking for an agent. Um, there's lots of things going on, you know, just when you have a, a, a book that just came out, um, or uh, one that's coming out, um, that doesn't relieve you from angst and stress um, about the next book. Yeah, um, of course. It's like Rose kissed me today. Will she kiss me tomorrow? Um, and very often, um, I find when I'm interviewing authors, if you ask them what their best book is, they may say to you, um, "My next one." Right. Uh, so you always you always want to know. You know, I have a book coming out here in Israel. It's very exciting, uh, but I'm now writing like crazy. <laughs> right. I haven't stopped and writing. I'm I'm writing more. Wait. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe your, your, your writing process? Uh, how do you go about coming up with a story? Is it, you know, something, will you write something and then rewrite it and rewrite it, rewrite it? You know, do you have, uh, you know, what get in terms of what ends up getting printed? Have you, you know, is there tons of extra text that doesn't make the cut because it doesn't quite fit what you're trying to say? Oh, wow. Wow. So let's start with the, the last piece. Um, yeah. So, Back in the day when I self-published or I published together with uh, municipalities uh, or people who helped fund the project, uh, but not traditional publishers, uh, the books would go through an editing process, but I was still paying for the book. So, you know, imagine if you're sitting with a content editor and he says, Mel, this page is too long. Now, picture books, you know, the whole caboodle is maybe 500 words long these days, right? Um, spread over 32 pages or 40 pages, uh, and that's not many words per page. Now, as an author, you know, you want to have as many words as possible, which is a mistake. Uh, and you want to shine. Um, you know, we want people to say, oh, he's the author of the book, and maybe you want to bring the illustrator down a little bit. 
And that's exactly the opposite to what should happen. You should write with very few words, and you should leave as much space as possible for the illustrator, because it's also her or his book as well. And that's something that's so difficult to learn, especially because you don't know what the illustrator is going to do with the story. Um, so I remember sitting with one of the books that I wrote, and I had a page, and the editor said, um, you know, we should cut this page down. And I said, what are you talking about? Who's paying for this book? Me, right? Um, that's a really funny page. He says, yeah, it's funny, but it's a bit long. I said to him, um, Arye, yeah, but who's paying for it? You know, I don't have enough words in the book. Keep the page. And now when I look at the book, I'm really sorry. <laughs> so the trick in a picture book is writing as little as you can, not right. as much as you can. Um, so this is part of the process. And now uh, back to the uh, question. I do not really know uh, where my ideas come from. And uh, last year I gave a talk um, to the regional, um, our regional um, um, SCBWI group about where ideas for books come from. And I have a theory that we don't really know because they come from part of the brain that's doesn't really communicate in words. Um, and it's talking to our cognitive part. And this interplay, it's like inventions, is what creates an idea for a book. And um, very often when I ask others, do you really remember the idea for the book? Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. So almost all of my stories over the past five or ten years, I cannot really tell you where I got the ideas. They just pop into your head and you start working on something. 99% of the time you throw it in the garbage uh, because it doesn't develop. Uh, you can't have a nice ending, surprising ending. Uh, and once in a blue moon, um, you do. And then um, the revision process kicks in. Uh, the book that I sold, uh, Emily Saw a Door, uh, I think that I had about 80 drafts Wow. Of that story. <laughs> and that's not unheard of in this business. And, you know, you say, oh, 500 words, you know, how many, you know, how, how hard is it? Well, it took me about five years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, writing a picture book is labor intensive. It, it seems, it seems harder, like, especially, you know, I imagine so many of the listeners are in academia, you know, used to writing long articles trying to write as long as possible there was always this um there's this study done in in the states i don't know if it's international the, the sat there's a uh, uh a, an essay section and there was a study done that showed that the longer the essays are the better the scores are so there's this kind of incentive <laughs> in education to write as much as possible and it's interesting that you know you're having to have the experience of sort of flipping that on the head trying to to really hone down, be an almost minimalist. Uh, do you have a sort of editing strategy that you employ? Well, okay, so 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 lately I, I realize that uh, short and sweet is, is much better for, for picture books. Um, and um, one of the books that my dad bought me when I was a kid was the poetry of Ogden Nash. Um, and he has some of the shortest poems in the history of mankind, um, like uh, an ode to the fly in the poems uh, Adam Haddam. Um, 
and that's that's the whole poem. Um, so brevity is king in, in this uh, genre. Um, so the idea is to bring home the idea in as few words as you can. Um, so that that's that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Mel, I'm wondering if there's if there's anything else that you're working on or that you'd like to share with our listeners about your experience working either on the New Books Network, writing children's books, or, or anything else. Okay, so so let me tell you what the what the real problem that I, that I have that I have not solved. Publishers, the mainstream, the traditional publishers, not like. Um, when you self-publish or when you have a, a, a presence of your story. Um, and until that changes, that has to change because the Internet is the best place for people to improve and to get feedback and for publishers to see what works and what doesn't. Um, so the ironic thing is I have, I have you know, most of my children's books on our books. They're free. Uh, they're illustrated. Um, some of them are very popular, and that makes me very happy. But ironically, during the past couple of years, the stories that I'm writing now, I'm not putting them on the Internet because the publishers, if they ever take them, uh, and I hope they will, um, do not cotton to that idea of having the books online. Um, and that has to change. That has to change because, you see... Let's say you have 5,000 writers, and one of them gets the traditional deal. And it doesn't matter. It might be 1,000. What happens to 999? Well, okay, not all of them write well, but, but there's 100 that do. And the Internet could give them a voice. And I really don't know how to do that. So I'm, I'm flustered in, in, um, in, in my attempts to bridge this gap, this chasm between the... Traditional publishing, which is like one in a million, one in a zillion, and the really good authors who do not have a venue. And right now, our books uh, cannot answer that because um, the traditional people look askance at self-published Internet books. And that has to change. Until that changes, I don't know. That's That's like... That's something that we haven't figured out yet. And there's ways to figure it out. For example, let's say we had a deal with a publishing house, and they would say, okay, publish on our books, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see how many people read your book, and uh, we'll have like a school and courses and help you improve your craft. And then every year we'll take the best book and publish it. Right, I haven't okay. found the publisher yet, though. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of you know, sort of what, YouTube has become a little bit, or not just YouTube, but like TikTok. TikTok, it's almost like mm -hmm. the minor leagues for production companies, yeah. and then they'll mm -hmm. go and they'll find the most successful YouTubers. Uh, but it is, yeah, it, it's definitely this is. I, I think mm -hmm. this is like a general issue in so many industries. So uh, Caleb, that's that's very perspicacious because we started off looking at YouTube as a kind of an analogous website, um, you know, and. But what you say, this is so important because people in the film industry, they don't care. If you have a good movie, if you have something on YouTube or TikTok that's been seen by tens of millions of people, they will take an interest. 
Um, yeah, so this has to change in publishing. Yeah, I, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, well, Mel, thank you so much for, for being a guest in the New Books Network. You know, obviously, uh, listeners will look forward to hearing you as the host instead of the, the interviewee. Uh, but thank you so much. Well, thank you, Caleb. This was a real joy for me. And uh, I should uh, say uh, to the people at NBN, to Marshall and to you and uh, Richard and everybody else, that um, I think that you're providing a wonderful free service uh, talking about the, so many books on so many levels. Yeah, I, it's, I love, you know, it's, working at NBN is, is so fun. And, you know, it's great to cover so many things, especially something like children's books, which, you know, I think is great that we cover because it is different than most of the content, uh, but so important and such a big part especially of helping to create and turn people into lifelong readers. Like I would imagine that so many people that are uh, NBN hosts or NBN listeners have the, you know, their Madeline or they are uh, Shel Silverstein mm-hmm. that they remember mm-hmm. fondly. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing, right? You talk about readers, but these are books that are read to us before we can read ourselves. I think my, so many of my early memories are my parents reading me these books and me just so desperately, Mm -hmm. they were almost like, um, you know, these, it was like magic almost like that they could look into this, you know, this essentially two dimensional thing because children's books are so, so, you know, the, the third dimension is is so thin and find an entire story there. It does, it, it really seemed magical to me as a kid. I couldn't believe that there was, there could be that much information in such a, a tiny thing. Obviously with the computer, it's, you know, dwarfs the informa- the amount of information that's in a book. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, we're really happy. Yeah, that... it, it, it... A wonderful picture book is the world. Um, I'm just, I just want to finish with a, um... yeah, please. A a quote from Madeline, which you just reminded me of. Um, And the crack in the ceiling had the habit of sometimes looking like a rabbit. (laughs) That's been with me my whole life. (laughs) It says it all, right? Uh, (laughs) Yes. You know, it's uh, it's that's a uh, that's a better way of saying glass half full. Uh huh. Well, Mel, thank you so much. Thank you, Caleb, and I look forward to having uh, coffee with you in New York in February. Absolutely. At the SCVWI meeting.